We're cutting through the noise of the pro audio industry. This is Noise Reduction, a podcast by MarketScale featuring Collier Spring. Hey everyone, welcome into episode two of Noise Reduction with Collier Spring. I'm Tyler Kern. Collier Spring is here as well. Hey, yes, Collier. I am. I've, I made it here. Uh, the traffic and the rain tried to do otherwise, but I'm here. It's been quite a week for people in Dallas who wish that the weather here was more like Seattle. <laughs> they got their wish. They got their wish as it's been like four straight days of temperatures in the 40s and a lot of rain. That's okay. You know, I, I prefer... For the rain, January and February are kind of write-off months for weather. It's like, sure. don't expect to do a lot outside, but uh, if, if we can stock up on rain that way, when we have our drought summers, we can keep our grass happy. So. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. If, if you missed episode one of Noise Reduction, we recapped uh, the NAM show, uh, the winter NAM show, uh, where Collier kind of ran down some of the uh, innovations that he saw there, some of the new stuff. We also talked about big themes of the show, really, and just uh, incremental improvements for a lot of different things, and just the, the general atmosphere and the... Uh, importance of the show in today's industry. Yeah, it's 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 an important. It's a people show. It's you know they uh, vendors are there uh, and and buyers are there to look at new stuff uh, and to to make their end clients happy. But at the end of the day, it's it's about the relationships you have and it's a mm-hmm. it's a people person show. No matter what new gizmos are there, what new software improvements have have been made, um, it's it's about seeing people you know and meeting new people or meeting people that you spoken to on the telephone and internet for a year, but maybe never shaken hands with. So yeah. uh, it, it's a great, it's a really fun show. It, it can be a zoo. Uh, it can sort of be a rock and roll zoo at times, but it's, but it's, it's always fun. And it's, it's a, uh, it's an event for sure, but it's a social event. It's about people and relationships. Yeah. And you know, that's, if, if you don't have that, then it's sort of stale and and sterile, but it, it, it's, it's anything but. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time for shaking hands and kissing babies. Yeah, like, as long as there's know. no viruses going around, you, you know, you don't want to get anthrax. But <laughs> but, uh, but we'll we'll leave that alone because that's how viruses, you know, move around a lot. So we got to be careful and keep our hands clean. That is a very good point. Everybody uh, make sure you're using that, uh, that good old hand sanitizer. <laughs> exactly. I got a pump bottle at my desk. Anyways, yeah. okay. Uh, but on today's show, episode two, we're talking a little bit more about Dolby Atmos. What made you choose this particular topic? Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it can be for the people sort of not in the inner loop of, of pro audio. Atmos is like, uh, what's that? Well, it, it's Dolby's, uh, immersive sound format that allows, um, you to be in an immersive sound. Everybody knows, you know, there's surround Dolby surround. Um, there's these crazy numbers, 5.1, 7.1, mm-hmm you know, 9.1 or 7.1.4. And you'll be like, what is all that? Basically, it's it's an immersive surround uh, format that not only has front, side, and back channels and a sub, that's the dot number, uh, subwoofer or, or low frequency, super low frequency channel. But uh, Atmos introduces a height channel. So you've got speakers in the ceiling uh, above you uh, that have a left and right and a front and rear aspect mm-hmm. as well. So it's truly immersive. You are inside the sound of the film or the music actually that you're listening to. And it's, you know, it's, it's an experience. There are a few, few theaters uh, in the Dallas area, I'm sure in Fort Worth as well, that are really big, um, but they're at most certified. So they have, have the Dolby RMU playback devices that can decode 
um, an Atmos mix. And an Atmos mix can be anywhere from 12 to 64 channels of audio play. So 64 speakers in a theater uh, or anywhere in between. And it's all done on percentages. So it, it doesn't, it knows how many speakers you have. So it spreads out the sound accordingly. So it's not, it's not based on, well, if you have 12 speakers or 28 speakers or channels, uh, it's, it's all done on distance and percentages. So whether you've got a 16 channel home Atmos setup, or you go to the theaters up on the tollway and they've got 54 speakers in the, in the wall, in the ceiling and walls, uh, it's going to sound obviously bigger in a bigger room, but you'll get the same experience. And one of the drawbacks of, of earlier surround formats, which are still around 5.1, which most TVs broadcast in mm-hmm. 7.1 um, for films, is that if you wanted a home, if you wanted to experience that at home, which you know now TVs are giant, 75, 80-inch plasmas, or really plasmas are going away, LCDs and OLEDs, the new OLEDs are fantastic. Um, one of the drawbacks of having a giant TV like that is if your if your audio if your audio system isn't up to par with the, the size of your screen, it's sort of disappointing. Yeah, because you want your sound to be as big as your picture. Right, and it right. used to be your your TV was small and the stereo was big or five one was huge because you got a subwoofer and all these channels. It sort of flipped around because it's difficult to put multi channel speaker setup in your house unless you have a dedicated home theater room mm-hmm. or a, or an entertainment room to do it. And a lot of people do, and that's great, and they've been able to do it right. Um, the Atmos, uh, the Dolby Atmos system for home theater uh, is has really taken advantage of the new technology with the soundbar phenomenon that's come on in the last few years. Yamaha was doing soundbars 15 or 16 years ago, um, but it was stereo, and but it was a lot of little drivers, yeah. and it was very loud and very clean and very accurate, and it was just in a, in a bar that goes either above or below your TV. Um, well, now you can get Atmos in a soundbar. You can get 5.1 or 3.1 or 2.1, um, and the numbers just mean how many channels, and the dot is the, the subwoofer channel, dot one or dot two if you have two subwoofers, mm-hmm. right? So you can buy 2.1, 3.1, which means stereo with a center channel, um, all the way up to 7.1.4, which means you've got a seven-speaker system uh, plus a subwoofer plus four channels of overhead. So you've got a left and right, front and rear overhead channels. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, a little bit of math in there, but all that to say, you can do all that in a sound bar. Mm-hmm. Um, now with 714, you'd, you'd, you'd want to have a sub, a separate wireless sub. A lot, of, a lot of companies have Bluetooth subs. So you just put it in the corner, plug it in the wall, and it hooks up. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also some uh, sound bars, Atmos sound bars, that have rear satellites. that you, They're wireless rear satellites that you can put on stands or put on bookshelves behind you. So you have true rear speakers as well, and they're Bluetooth to the or some proprietary wireless to the soundbar itself. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's made the cost of entry um, much simpler, much easier to get into a full immersive or even just a regular surround system with a soundbar. And with, with the advent of, of Dolby Home Theater Atmos, yeah. um, the immersive experience can be really amazing, especially with a big giant you know, LCD or LE OLED TV. Um, it sort of brings everything up to par. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, it, it's um, for films. Once you once you experience an Atmos film that's been mixed well, whether it's a 
superhero film or a space film or a drama that's just got a lot of great sound design, which so many films, most films have now. I mean, you know, it's it's tough to uh, win an Academy Award for sound design uh, when the whole point of sound design is that you don't notice it. It just feels natural. Yeah. Whereas most of the shoot 'em up bang mission impossible or star fill in the blank uh star trek star wars star whatever films have tons of sound design and mm. crazy new sounds so a lot of those tend to win the awards um but it's how they're mixed and how they're used and with atmos it can be it can be knock you over the head obvious with things flying around or it can be very subtle with things behind you and above you and they move around so it's it's an and i'm just running on and on but it, it's it's really an amazing experience in a well-tuned Atmos theater, and you can get really close to that experience at home with a, with a, a nice uh, Atmos setup at home, especially now that sound bars, because who wants to put up 12 speakers and a sub in their house? Nobody. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so if you can do it with a sound bar and maybe a couple of satellites and a sub that you can stick a plan on and don't look yeah. at, you know, that, that's a great and, and you can get a sound bars are anywhere from $300 to $2,500, depending mm-hmm. on how much you want to spend. And the expensive ones uh, are pretty amazing. Um, Sennheiser makes one called the Ambio that's ridiculously amazing sounding. Um, Samsung and LG and all, all the major TV, you know, monitor manufacturers make them as well. Yamaha and, and a few others. So there's... You know, knowing the specs and knowing what you want to do and finding your budget, you, you can probably find a good Atmos soundbar to go with your blazing new OLED TV <laughs> that will give you the same audio experience as you have visually now with 4K yeah. TVs at least. So um, it, it's an it's a really I, I think it's I think it's really cool. It's taken a while. I think the first film that was released was called Brave, and that was in 2012. Goodness. So it's been around for a while yeah. in the pro market and obviously theaters. Um, and, um, what is it? Uh, oh, Game of Thrones was the very first TV series that mm-hmm. was mixed in Atmos as well. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of been creeping into our, our culture, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Um, and we, and everybody that I've talked to likes it. I mean, I think, you know, sound is extremely important for sensing what you're looking at, mm-hmm. you know, what, watching a TV with the sound off, that's just surveillance. So, you know, having this immersive, uh, Atmos experience being literally surrounded above and around and behind by the by the by the ambience and by the music and by what's going on is a killer experience. I mean, it's a great way to sort of escape from the daily grind. Well, and what I really appreciate that, that you highlighted there was the the more accessible nature of it now that it is, you know, in my mind, you know, having like really, really, a really great audio setup and having, you know, surround sound and that sort of thing was the, the kind of things that you go over to your, your friend's house growing up and they, they have a lot of money or something like that. You walk yeah. in like, oh, wow. But like this, this is a more accessible product than it used to be. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you go over to your, your uncle's house and he's got Macintosh receivers and yeah. two banks <laughs> and the old original Bose 901 that look like rocket ships. And you're like, oh man, stereo, true stereo. Oh my yeah. gosh. It sounds amazing. And those early 901 Boses had like 10 drivers in them and all this fantastic technology. Um, but yeah, the, 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 like I said, it's not really the cost of entry, but the ease of entry mm-hmm. into it. It's like, oh man, I, you know, I tried to do the surround thing 10 years ago or 15 years ago with a receiver and all this stuff. And it's like, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. Well, you don't have to because um, 
everything's you know digital revolution is has obviously taken hold in the house as well so when you feed the hdmi signal to your tv you can just loop it out of your tv or your modern tv into a soundbar yeah and it just strips the audio right off it so it's not like you got to have a bunch of cables or a big receiver or anything uh, most TVs nowadays will will spit audio out that HDMI port right into the soundbar. So if you can put that soundbar above or usually below the TV, um, and it has upward firing drivers, side firing drivers, downward, uh, and obviously forward as well as left and right and a center channel, um, it, it it makes it super easy to to, to have that same experience. Yeah, and obviously the better the bigger your room is, the more power you're going to want or or, uh, you know, if you're watching films, you can want to crank it up. But it's even with a 2.1 or 3.1 soundbar, uh, technically that's not surround, but the experience is so nice mm-hmm. compared to having to set up individual speakers everywhere and balance it all and test it. Um, it's that ease of entry into that market. And, you know, it, and budget can go from anywhere to anywhere, but it, it's all very uh, affordable and all very simple. You don't have to hire some company to come in and hook it up for you. If you read the two-page manual, it's like, plug this in, plug this in, go from HDMI to HDMI, turn on, and you can hook your phone to it Bluetooth-wise yeah. if you want to just walk in the house and play some music or or have a conversation uh, you know, off your phone and not have to worry about turning the TV on. It's It becomes sort of an another home audio speaker. There's mm-hmm. some that have Alexa built into it. Uh, so if you, you know, hey, Alexa, turn on, blah, 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 and boom, boom. the TV comes on, audio comes on. It's like, hey, you know, what could be easier than that? It's pretty so, sweet. It's yeah, pretty sweet. it's, it's, it's it, and, and it's another technological uh, adoption that, you know, like there's, a, like there's not enough already in our mm-hmm. lives, uh, but, but it's easy. Yeah. It's simple. You don't have to learn what it is and how it works. Go listen to one in a store or go, you know, if you know somebody that has one, go check it out and then do a little bit of research and, See what your budget says, and hey, and and it'll improve your movie watching experience because less people are going to the theater uh, than ever. But when they do go, if they go to an Atmos film, it's worth every penny yeah. of your ticket. But if you're going to watch Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus or or Apple movies or any you know any of the streaming stuff, hey, why not have the same experience there? You want to have that big picture, but that big sound. Um, makes it all, you know, glues it all together. It's like, ah, oh, big picture, big sound. You know, it, it's, it makes it an, almost a visceral experience because you can feel the sound. You can see the picture and, and feel and hear the sound. And suddenly, you know, it's, when you finish a movie, it's, it's an emotional experience, which yeah. is kind of what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is all about that, that experience. You're, you're absolutely right about that. I want to get into kind of the, uh, what this means for the people that are mixing it because oh, yeah. um, let, let's talk about it from that perspective because that's something that you have a lot of experience in. What is it? What does mixing for a system like this look like, and how does it change from just regular, you know, regular sound design? Well, previously, um, you know, surround's been around for twenty five years, yeah, um, and it was either seven dot one, seven channels with a sub, or five dot one for TV. Um, and until a couple of years ago. Uh, when when the Dolby Atmos system sort of got got better and better, the the, the mastering suite that that pros use is up to version three point two or three point three now, I think. So it's been through quite a few iterations. Initially, when you mixed a surround film, you mixed it in the widest version, whether it was mm-hmm. seven one or five one. You mixed it in the widest version, 
Um, and there's algorithms where you can fold it down to 5.1 or stereo to monitor, to double check it so that things aren't going in and out of phase. But if you needed separate mixes, you had to do separate mixes. Wow. Um, the 7.1 and 5.1 could be folded down into stereo pretty well, but it, it meant doing a multiple mixes. Oh, I need a stereo mix and I, a TV mix and I need a 5.1 mix versus a 7.1. Uh, so it, it created a lot of extra work. Um, and initially, Atmos mixes were the same. The guys mixing films in, uh, in the mixing stages, they would do uh, a 5.1 or 7.1 and then do an up mix of Atmos and take their existing surround mix that they've already sort of tweaked and the director and all the people that are in charge uh, are able to say, oh, okay, that's a great surround mix. And basically what the Atmos mix was added height channels. So instead of things going from front to back, they could go front to ceiling to back, or mm -hmm. you could go overhead and you could put things above you that you could sort of cheat between side and front and rear and sort of fake it. Um, but in the last couple of years, the, with the advent of, uh, the Atmos mixing system, the, the buses and objects to get technical that you use the, the terminology that's used in the Atmos mixing, um, system is built into pro tools now. Uh, they did that a few years ago. Wow. And, and so it's That's cool. You can, if you have the ultimate version, you can, uh, with a $300 software package from Dolby, you can actually do Atmos mixes in a single Pro Tools rig and monitor them with height channels and all that and automate it all. Um, so, but the beauty of that to sort of circle back around is now when you're doing an Atmos mix, the new mastering renderer system, when you do a, uh, and Dolby Atmos mix, they can automatically be folded down into all the the lower channel count versions, whether seven one five one two one or stereo. Uh, it can automatically read that data, and it and it, the, the algorithms will automatically fold it down. So they do one Atmos mix, and everything else falls into line after that. So they don't have to go back um, and do it. So it saves time. In essence, it saves time, but what it does is gives them more time to make the Atmos mix just that much better because they don't have to worry about, oh, we've got to stop and you know do the, do the lesser mixes for TV or, or, or broadcast. So, Interesting. Yeah. It's, it, and I mean, it's a complex way to do it. And to, to, if you want to get really technical, the mastering unit, uh, the, the recorder is 128 channels wide, mm -hmm. whereas 7.1 is, well, that's eight channels. 5.1 is six channels. Um, the, the mastering recorder for a, an Atmos mix is 128 channels. But what that really means is that there's a 10 channel bed. So th the basic bed of, 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 of your, your normal channels, your front, your side, your rear, and your sub, it's either 9.1 or 10 channels, however you want to do it. It's a 10 channel bed of sound, of static sounds that you can move around, but it doesn't include the height channels. Then you can have what are called objects mm -hmm. and they can be, very narrow, whether it's a single voice or a single sound, or it can be a very wide, as far as uh, width, audible width. It can it can cross uh, boundaries of different speakers, uh, so you can have narrow or wide objects. But those objects, you can fly those anywhere in a 360 degree space with either a joystick or a you know on screen panner or a touch screen panner even sometimes. Um, so you can have these bed channels, and then you have up to 118 objects uh most mixes don't use them but i'll yeah. bet i'll bet some of the you know the star wars and some of the 
sci-fi films use every object they can handle. Um, so you can have those objects and those, all those objects can be automated both in, they can be spun, they can be thrown overhead. You can have preset arcs, all sorts of things. But so a, a, a Atmos mix when delivered is up to 128 channels wide. So wow. it's, it, it is a compoundedly more complex way of mixing rather than, Oh, I'm printing a five, one mix or seven, one mix, which is only eight channels. Yeah. So with, with 10 channels of the bed and up to 118 channels, most Dolby mastering recorders or whether it's pro tools or, or a mastering unit, they're hundred, usually 128 channels wide, whether they use them or not all or not is, is really up to the, the creative sides mm -hmm. and, and the mixers, but that's the, the spec of it. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing the the channel counts these days in theater um very often over 4000 tracks oh. going to mix because you can you can connect multiple DAWs that mm -hmm. act as one yeah. and then it, they can all be accessed from the same control surface by pressing a button pull up the the music you know the music uh system or the or sound effects A or ambience A or the dialogue machine um, so they may have, of course, everything has been pre-dubbed and pre-mixed down, but still they're, you know, they've got guys in the wings ready to change out that door slam or that gunshot mm -hmm. or that explosion. If the producer's like, ah, do we have a different one? Let's try that other one. So they can take that machine offline, swap out the sound effects. It's a very complex and it goes on for weeks. So, um, needless to say, it's, it's a very complicated, um, and busy time when you're dealing with that many tracks and that many options of where to put things. You're not just, you don't just have front and rear now. You've got front, side, rear, ceiling, left and right and forward, and plus all sorts of movements. So yeah. um, it's opened up the options, which always makes things more complicated, but it, that's what we want. We want options. I mean, yeah. the, the digital revolution, everyone's like, oh man, with digital recording, we'll save so much time because you know, you won't, you can undo stuff and you, mm -hmm. well, what it really did was give us more options, which takes more time. <laughs> uh, when you recorded to tape, you committed. It's like, okay, that's it. Perfect. We're going to build from there. Right. And you can't really go back and change it. Well, nowadays, it's like you could take the first move that you did of the film and at the sixth week of the final master, it's like, ah, can we change that and undo it? And Sure. So you, you can do it. It gives us options. And everybody knows the more options you have, the more the more time it takes to make that decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and which it, from a creative standpoint is always good um, until you've spent too much time deciding what to do instead of finishing it. And that's well in the music business. And w actually we need to talk about music as well. Music Atmos as well in the music business. It's like, you know, how do you know a mix is done? Cause you can tweak it forever. Yeah. And, and you just listen, you know, have someone new come in and listen to it and go, wow, that's amazing. Or, oh boy, I, I love it, but I'm missing this. And so you get, you know, y you never really know. Uh, some people never know when it's done. They just mm. run out of time. And that used to be the, the that used to be the divide, deciding factors. Like oh, I've run out of time or I can't do anything else with it. Well, in the digital world, you can do anything forever. You can always forever. tweak it. Yeah. yeah. There's a great, uh, Malcolm Gladwell did an interesting podcast a while back just on uh, and this isn't so much from a mixing point of view, but just from a songwriting point of view, that Bob Dylan would write an album in three days, you know, yeah. just record it and be done. And Leonard Cohen, 
I think over the period of eight years, never really finished Hallelujah and <laughs> had, I think, somewhere in the upwards of over 100 verses to the song. Oh, sure. I could never really figure out which ones he liked and which ones kind of fit together. That's yep. why when you hear it, you'll hear different versions that have different verses that he wrote and recorded at various times. And there's just, there's that, that tendency to always be tweaking something, always yep. be working, I, I, I suppose, just when you have endless options. Well, that it's, it's sort of a trap. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I play music with a buddy, Ben and, uh, not the Ben that works here <laughs> and he writes songs, mm-hmm. same kind of thing. And he'll get to a certain point and that's all he can do. So it, he stops and then I'll show up and the bass player will show up and we'll go, oh, oh, I got this new idea. It's like, oh man, how about this? That's so collaboration in, in the, in the world of, uh, individual songwriters being able to do everything at home mm-hmm. with a computer and acoustic guitar and a keyboard. Um, man, as soon as you introduce that other human element, which tends to open things up, but also put limits on it. Um, you know, if, if Leonard had a partner, his partner would have said 40 verses ago said, Hey man, that's great. Yeah. Let's, let's come back around to the, you know, let's repeat that last hook and then call it a day. <laughs> so maybe he would have finished it. Maybe not. Leonard, put the, put the pen down, Leonard. Yeah. Put yeah. The put, pen the, down. put the pen down, step away from the desk. But it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's about taste and that's, you know, Leonard Cohen was his own animal and yeah. the fact that he put out some amazingly bizarre pieces and also, uh, beautiful pieces, mm-hmm. uh, says a lot. And, and I think that's the, we have to sort of be our own police when it comes to right. when is the song done? When is the, when is the music done? Um, and, and Atmos for music was uh, again, yeah. at, you know, the, the Dolby Atmos isn't isn't strictly limited to just theater or film hmm. or TV. Um, they're really pushing. This was the first year that Dolby was at the NAMM show to, to kind of loop back to our last week's show. Um, they are big, big into remix. There's a lot of remixes being done, music remixes uh, in Atmos. So imagine being in on the stage instead of in front of the stage watching the music in stereo. Yeah. Imagine if you were sitting in the place where the, you know, between the drummer and the singer, or if you're standing around and the guitars are on, around you and above mm-hmm. you and the drums are behind, behind you, you or in front of yeah. you and the kick drum is, you know, thumping you in the chest and you're like, wow, I'm sitting at the drummer's throne kind of thing. So the immersive experience with music is really, really cool. Um, can you, do you pair that with them with like VR or something like that? So you wear a headset and as you turn, you hear, you hear and you experience music differently as you see it differently. Like if say you're on stage, right, you know, that, with you two and Bono's there in front of you, you know, or whatever. Yeah. That, it's, it's uh, unfortunately Atmos is a not, I don't want to say static, but the point of view doesn't really change unless you, unless yeah. it's programmed that way. So y- it wouldn't change due to your moving. Whereas VR binaural, which is a whole different thing, but but Dolby's <laughs> That's a also, different podcast. Yeah, it's a different. Yeah, uh, Dolby's uh, diving into that as well. they're doing that as well. Um, so if you're listening to music and you turn to the left, oh, uh, you'd hear more of the guitar, or if you turn to the right, you'd yeah. hear the keyboard player because you're looking at them. And it's VR definitely tied to video, you know, mm-hmm. immersive video as well. But in the Atmos world, it would be up to the mixer to sort of create things and put the vocals in the front or maybe above you yeah. or imagine, you know, imagine, and, and who was it? Uh, I think it was REM's, uh, automatic for the people was the first major remix in Atmos, Interesting. uh, in 2017. So mm-hmm. you can actually get that. It's probably on a Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, but it's, if you have an Atmos system and you have a Blu-ray player, 
that's a cool way to check that's it out. That's pretty cool. But back in the 90s, there was, um, you know, D- DVD, when DVDs came out, there was all sorts of format, DVD-R, DVD, and, and there was an audio format called DVD-A. It was 96K sample rate, so very high sample rate, mm-hmm. um, but it was 5-1, and you had to, and it was discrete channels. So you had a center channel, stereo, re- stereo left and right, stereo rear, and a sub-channel, and quite a few records got remixed. Elliot Chiner did a bunch, but uh, there's, uh, was it, um, oh, let me think. Um, uh, quite a few uh, Sting records got remixed in it. Um, who am I trying, I can't even think of them. Uh, Kevin Gilbert, uh, Toy Matinee record mm-hmm. got, there's a couple of records that came out that I bought um, that were amazing in in uh, in DVD-A because you could put the vocal in the center channel all alone by itself and you could solo the channels and the guitars would be left and right and the drums would be separate. The snare drum and the kick drum would be in the center channel. And so it was very much a, a, a more exploded experience. One of the detractions or limits of stereo music mm-hmm. is that you've got two channels, to two, two speakers to throw a lot of data at, a lot of music, a lot of yeah. sound. With 5.1, with discrete channels like that, you can spread it out. You don't have to use as much compression. You can hear a lot more. You can put a lot more in it. Um, Mick Kozowski did a 5.1 remix of Michael Jackson's Thriller, of the whole album. Yeah. And when you listen to that in 5.1, in true 5.1, you're just like, wow, I've never heard the Lyricon. Mm-hmm. Tom Scott's Lyricon plays all the way through the whole song. Yeah. I mean, he's literally riffing the whole song, and it just comes in and out, but you can hear it. And it, there's also parts that you're like, I never heard that before, mm-hmm. and and that's the beauty of of exploding, uh, you know, stereo music into surround. And with Atmos, the fact that you can put things above you, you can put reverb above you or behind you, so that the sounds are raw and clean in front, but the spatial aspect is created with the rear and the the high channels. I, I think that's a crazy cool uh, format. And again, you know, how do you do that at home? Well, I don't want to put 16 speakers up in my listening room. Well, if you have a nice sound bar and maybe some satellites in the back, you're already there. So it's yeah, it, it's they're pushing that for for remixes, but also for new stuff. That's it's going to create a whole new uh, genre of of at most mixed music. Mm-hmm. And and if if the people recording the music are monitoring in Atmos as they record it, you know that that leads to a lot more creative choices and a lot more cool ideas of of what music sounds like because you know everybody that did their rec that won grammys this year every every one of their studios was left and right yeah you know two channels and you can pan anywhere in between there but you have no height you have no rear you have no side you can't Mm. really go too far outside the width of that of the left and right speaker so i think dolby atmos for music is literally in its infancy of of creativity uh, I think the technology's there. It's just a matter of of adoption. I think more people are going to adopt uh, the the soundbar thing because it's so much simpler to deal with. You plug it in, put an HDMI cable in it, boom! You've got you know you got your multiple channels mm-hmm. all coming out of one box. I guess like when we were talking about it for film, I was thinking about it as like this this sound design. What you're able to do is like another layer of storytelling almost. And for when when we talk about it for music, it, it's almost a similar idea in my mind. It's just a, a, another another avenue by which you can communicate different things using music. Uh, exactly, and and enforce reinforce 
the message that you're trying to get out there, yeah. whether it's oohs and lalas, or you're telling a story. Mm -hmm. um, you know, imagine you've got some background vocal oohs in the B section before you get to the chorus, and instead of just having them spread left and right to give room for the lead vocal in the middle, you put them overhead left and right, and suddenly the oohs and ahs kick in above you, and you're like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then if you have a doubled vocal or if you have harmonies to the lead vocal in the mm -hmm. chorus, maybe they're in the rear. Yeah. And the, then the lead solo in the front. So you're like, oh my gosh, I can hear every one of those harmonies clear as day. I mean, some of the country records that come out now, they're they're basically rock records from the 80s with, right. with pedal steel and, <laughs> and violin and maybe a little more reverb and and some you know twang in it yeah and a, and a fake accent you will or real accent but <laughs> I'm it's just kidding. but it's great it, it's it, imagine hearing and one of the traditional nashville things is is lots of harmonies yeah. they may be buried in the mix but they're there because they do it because it gives it that texture and imagine being able to hear those as clear as day without having to be loud mm -hmm. you're just able to see or hear farther into the mix whether it's wider taller you know deeper um, and so, you know, when you're crushing everything into uh, some of the mixes I do for local musicians, uh, 150, 170 tracks yeah. of stuff, not always all playing at the same time, but man, fitting it into two speakers is a little bit of work, mm -hmm. you know, making everything sort of louder than everything else, yeah. you know, gets to be a task and you're like, well, what's more important? You're making those decisions. Yeah. You're fighting a battle on some level. With, with yeah. an Atmos surround mix, you have room for everything. So everything doesn't have to duck and 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 hide to let other things come mm -hmm. out you can sort of place things in there and in the, in the environment and enjoy it all yeah yeah the, the weight of my heart is through a pedal steel so well, there yeah, if you, yeah if, there you go you want to highlight that in the mix you've yeah. you've got a happy tyler Kern. and if you want to put this pedal steel in the stereo overheads mm -hmm. and then when he starts singing put it in the surrounds in the rear so yeah. he's so it's not stepping on his vocals but it's still present you know, okay. No I'm problem. here for that. And, yeah. and the cool thing is at, if you created the stereo, the, the pedal steel as a stereo object, mm -hmm. you could pan it from stereo front to stereo overhead and then fold it, then, then swing it back into the stereo rears and you could hear it move. It doesn't have to just go click left, click right, or click up or down. You can make it move and you can follow it. So you could have a crazy sax solo that spins around the room slowly mm -hmm. and makes you nauseous, which never a good idea, but, <laughs> but it's been done and I'm sure it will be done. So it, it gives, again, it gives everybody options, but it, it increases your listening experience. You know, everybody, everybody, everybody has earbuds and listens to their phone, whether they're wireless or wired, everyone's immersed in it, but they're either listening to podcasts or 30 seconds of music and going to the next thing or talking on the phone. Mm -hmm. And I think the Atmos uh, experience is is all encompassing, and you, yeah. it's 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 not a throwaway. Like I don't care what my earbuds sound like. With Atmos, it, you suddenly care, but you but because you get to hear everything. So it's it's definitely a um, a, a, a level up of of performance, both from your you as a listener, but also from from your experience of of your media, of your digital media. You got four K picture. I want the equivalent of 4K audio, yeah. and that's audio's been HD forever. I mean, once we got to good sounding audio converters, about mid mid to late 2000s, um, you know, we're all, we've been in HD audio forever. Mm -hmm. There's there's higher sampling rates, but the the amount of 
of benefit lessons and lessons past a certain point, past 96K, I think, personally. But um, but if you can match that experience, that surround experience with a great big 4K TV and, you know, 8Ks around the corner, whether there's any 8K content remains to be seen <laughs> and whether we can push that across the air or not. But um, I think the Atmos, uh, whether film or, or music, is is a really cool, if you're anything into audio, um, worth looking into, especially now that the soundbar has made the ease of entry and cost of entry much more palatable than hiring some firm to come in and put 16 speakers in your house with mm -hmm. cutting holes in your ceiling and all that madness. The last question I want to ask is yeah. about studios. So to, I, I suppose for, for people to mix this, they also have to have that se that setup there right. that they hear back. And so you mentioned, you know, someone sitting there mixing down a record, you know, it's left and right. They have the two speakers there in their studio and that sort of thing. Exactly. So how many studios are set up to accommodate that? And do you think more studios will kind of build itself out to be able to accommodate mixing for, for that kind of environment? They are and uh, they do. I mean, I've, mm -hmm. I've sold some, um, some speaker kits and some uh, production suites to music studio, music and post studios, mostly post-production, mm -hmm. whether it's commercial or, or film or sound design, you know, sound editing places, they're, you know, everyone is saying, oh, you know what, I need more, I need to be able to, to monitor or listen to my editing in Atmos because certain things need to be placed in there. Rather than just having it the final mix, if they've already pre-mixed in Atmos, they can send them their, their files and just wake it up and they're already moving, they're already in places where they need to be. Yeah. So I think music, um, once, you know, once the popularity of, of music at most, at most mixed music uh, catches on, I think, uh, any studio worth its salt, again, it's a tough business. The music business is really tough right now because it's hard to make money as an artist. It's hard to make money selling music. I have mm -hmm. some really great mixers that are struggling, not struggling, but they're really fighting tooth and nail to to stay, stay busy and stay paid um, because nobody's spending nine ninety five on CDs or buying MP3s anymore. Everything's streamed, so the the monetary thing is 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 definitely a a consideration. But you know, mu music mixed in in Atmos is coming, whether we like it or not. And many will adapt, many won't. Um, but it's just a matter of of getting enough outputs from your console or from your interfaces mm -hmm. so that you can feed. Uh, at least 12 or 16 channels so you can monitor that stereo overhead or that stereo in front and rear overhead side and rear channels, which isn't difficult to do. But again, it's, it's an investment. But if, if that's the way things are going, it's an investment in your business for the future to be able to mix or to offer that kind of mixing in, in Atmos. And if you're track, I mean, imagine if you're tracking, you're recording a live band and you can monitor them in Atmos uh, and you don't have to print it that way. You don't have to record it that way to the mm -hmm. DAW. But if you can monitor them, it's suddenly it's like, wow, you know, this is a totally different experience. So, yeah. You know, I, I do see um, music studios going that way. But it, again, it's going to be another differentiator between the people that are struggling, that are barely making it to the ones that are, look, we need to stay ahead of the curve and invest in Atmos as a mm -hmm. as a viable monitoring and, and recording or mastering system to be able to put out music stuff. Whereas a lot of people now will take a uh, pre-existing music master and go to a studio that's already Atmos, whether it's a music or post, many of them are post now 
currently, uh, but be able to do to be able to expand that stereo mix into an Atmos mix. Pretty pretty neat stuff. It's yeah. really neat stuff. Yeah, really neat stuff. Well, this has been a fun episode. Yeah, no, it's it's I, it's I love I you know I'm audio geek on everything whether it's pro <laughs> or or home stuff, and uh, you know as a as as I get older I realize I need to share this information that I feel so passionate about. And a lot of people are like, man, well, you know, I've got a stereo. It's like, man, it's so easy to mm-hmm. get into the immersive sound. Now that you have this, oh, I bought this great 80-inch TV for 1800 bucks. It's like, yeah, but your stereo system is two, you know, baseball-sized cubes that, you know, sound like this. <laughs> so, you know, it, yeah. it's like, man, look at this soundbar. Look at this Samsung soundbar or look at this, at, you know, Sennheiser soundbar and see what your budget looks mm-hmm. like and – you know, I've had, a, I've recommended to a lot of people and they've all said, oh man, I love this. This is so great. Thank you. And it's like, yeah, man, it's, it's about enjoyment and entertainment. Um, and in, you know, if we're going to pay for streaming services and we're going to watch, uh, giant, uh, productions at home, Hey, let's enjoy, let's enjoy the audio aspect of it yes. as well, rather than just sort of listening like we're on wearing giant earbuds. Um, so, you know, that said, the Atmos thing is is coming, so yeah, pay attention and and check it out. It's it's cool, and definitely the next big you know release film you go see, see if there's an Atmos theater in your area hmm. and it's playing in Atmos because they're all being mixed in Atmos. It just depends on whether the theater in your town actually or in your city, um, if you have an Atmos uh, certified Dolby Atmos certified theater, go check it out. I think it'll 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 astound you of how subtly cool it is. It's not going to bang you over the head, but, but if you sit and listen, it'll be like, wow, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an, it's another level of holy smokes. That was cool. Yeah. A thought that's put into a production that yeah. you can, you can appreciate and you can yeah. see that, Hey, there was intentionality here. Yeah, exactly. And it, it makes the experience better. It's more visceral. It's more emotional. And you know, that's if, if we're not grinding out, you know, if we're not grinding weak to make bread so we can get paid, we want emotional experiences yeah. that make us feel what that film is supposed to make us feel. And if the sound, if, if being surrounded by it helps us uh, feel that more, huh, that's a win. Boom. Yeah. It's a win. Yeah. It's a win. What we'll Collier? This has been a blast. Yeah, it always is. It, yes, it, 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 <laughs> it is It is always a blast. And uh, of course, we'll be back soon with uh, more episodes of Noise Reduction. So, yes. Yeah, stay tuned for more and we'll... Uh, We'll be back soon. Thanks, Tyler. Signing off. Yes.